So go all the way back to 2013 when we said, we're going to kind of refer to ourselves and start acting like we are a remote first company, which meant, meant we need to learn how to hire remotely. We need to learn how to onboard people remotely, you know, engage them, grow them. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Now what? What's next? Where do we go from here? If you have not asked those questions yourself this year, you've been asked those questions by others dozens of times. As a technology leader, do you have answers? Have you taken the time to reimagine your world of work? Work was changing long before the events of this year. They merely accelerated. Today's guest has been reimagining work for over 10 years as the CEO of Formstack. Chris Byers and Formstack have changed the way work gets done. Formstack is a secure workplace productivity platform built to produce ingenious solutions to the everyday work that slow organizations down. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. I'm excited to dive into our conversation. I've been looking forward to this. I've heard of Formstack for years, one of the leading tech companies from Indiana, but I've learned the story is much larger than I had imagined. We'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, Chris, do you mind sharing your background with our listeners? Sure. I uh, had the opportunity to start my first software company, actually out of college, uh, graduating from a university in Indiana. And a, f- a couple of friends and I got together and we started doing custom web-based software. And so in those days, it was really when you couldn't get for free, like you can today, a, a content management product or if you wanted to sell something online, it was you had to get custom software to get that done. And so we kind of started there, did that for a few years and, and kind of got out of it, but then uh, ended up in financial services for a while, eventually helping people with their investments and taking that to start, really starting businesses within a healthcare company. And then actually took a couple of years and went overseas. And uh, my, my wife and my kids and I, we helped start a church and did some consulting uh, for pastors in the UK and Europe uh, for a couple of years uh, before I came to Formstack. That's a wide and varied background from web development to financial services to starting a a church in Europe. What led you to the path of of Formstack? How How did that journey result in the creation of Formstack? Yeah, so if you go all the way back to that software company that we started, uh, the partner and I that really ended, um, uh, we kind of, there's four or five of us that started it. Uh, he and I really kept it going for a while. And eventually we both said, you know what, it's time to get out of this. We're never going to make enough money. Um, and, and I think going back, we didn't really have a good vision for what we wanted to accomplish. And what was beautiful about that was if you've ever shut down a business, and especially with a a business partner, that can be super tough. (laughs) And what it built, though, for us was we actually... I think both felt like it. We shut it down well, uh, if whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And so he actually came along and started Formstack in 2006. I had helped him raise some money somewhere along the way, and then really had been an early customer. 
And so then when he started yet another software company, I came in and said, you know what? I, I think I can help you run this for just a while. I'll help you find a long-term <laughs> CEO. And, and because of that trust we had built, mm-hmm. I, it was easy for him to kind of hand the reins over. And about five months in, he was like, you know what? You want to stay? And I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really loving what we're doing, love the team. And so uh, that kind of led to me now being here for 10 years. That, that's kind of cool. A, a temporary interim CEO job that's lasted 10 years. That's awesome. That's, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Formstack and what what Formstack does for its customers. You know, so at our core, we really think about fixing broken processes in your organization and, and it's, or slow processes, things that just aren't working as fast as you want them to, and especially where you're dealing with customers. And so for us, that comes in the form of uh, forms and data collection. So imagine you want to collect data from your customer. Um, you can easy with no code build that form. If you want to say, generate a document based on that. Maybe you want to generate a quote or a contract. You can dynamically do that and then take that all the way to e-signature. And so as you pair those things together, we really think about how we can solve uh, those workflow and process problems that exist in your organization. Because for all of us, we're always tired of that next thing that we do that's repetitive. And we're like, you know, I've done this three times or 10 times or, or 20 times. Why can't I just get this automated? And so we kind of give people the tools to get that done. So one of the things that we talked about in preparation for our conversation today that I think would be really interesting to our listeners is the comparison of RPA, Robotic Process Automation, uh, which seems to be in the news everywhere, and and workflow that Formstack provides. What what are the similarities? What are the differences? You know, I, I think in the end, RPA is really. I mean, we we hear about AI, RPA. They they actually live in, in probably a similar category. Which it's mm-hmm. it's this idea that we want a machine to help us figure out how to build our efficient workflows or how to automate them for us. And so, you know, for I think the the practical listener, uh, really those workflow tools are probably where you still want to start. RPA is, is, is almost vision more than reality to me, the way I, the way I look at it. Yeah. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll all want machines to build things for us in the future, but uh, that can really only do so much. It's like the, the Tesla where you know the, the vision says that I'm going to have a completely autonomous self-driving car, but as you actually get into one, figure out what it can and can't do, there's a lot of limitations. You can't really let the car drive for you. And so, you know, Workflow for us is all about equipping, especially the non-technical user, to solve their own problems. And so what I think is there are a ton of people in organizations who they can envision in their head what a process is supposed to look like. They just don't have the software tools to get it done. So I think one of the things that that leads to then is implementing a workflow-based tool helps to relieve some of the demand on internal IT departments to build those types of things. If you give your your end users in the company the ability to build these workflows themselves, you eliminate that load. Is that one of the value adds? 
A- absolutely. As an IT team, so often we have these huge priorities that we're trying to get done in our team, and yet we're always distracted by the marketing team needs one more uh, kind of small project, the HR team, and we have to go make those happen. And so where we can equip the IT team to say, you know what, you've got a product you can just hand over to these users. You can do little to no training, and all of a sudden they can start interacting with their audiences on the website or interacting with their audience that are your employees. And so for an IT team, it can be very kind of enabling to not do these really tedious projects that they often have to do, stay focused on the really big core systems that they've got to stay focused on and make the organization that much more effective. Have you seen an industry or a vertical that really gets the value out of workflow? In other words, it really helps them uh, propel themselves forward by implementing something like that? Yeah, you know, I, I think we have this uh, wonderful place where we, we work really well with industries that are a little bit behind. And so, uh, you know, think government, think healthcare, think financial services, insurance, where uh, security is really, really important. And so we've invested a lot in making sure our product is not just secure, but can pass the audits that are required in a very large corporation. And so what that means is all of a sudden, these organizations who are the last to get to adopt new technology can finally adopt some of that new technology and get it really plugged into their organizations. And so People find delight in the fact that they can solve their own problems. They're so used to calling the consultant, calling the IT team, and spending a lot of time and money uh, on some big project when really it's something they could get done in an afternoon if they just had the tools to get it done. Yeah, and it doesn't have to sit and wait in that queue for weeks or even months to get done. They can they can address it as they're thinking about it, which is an advantage as well. Yeah, I think that ability to quickly develop your own process, or maybe the way to think about it is we all have core systems. So the ERP, the CRM, the you know the HRIS system, and those all do really important things. But every single one of our organizations has individual processes that look different than every other organization. And so uh, Formstack tends to fit right in the middle of those core systems where we can kind of add on and get data into the core system where you need to. But mm-hmm. for those quick ad hoc, uh, you know, small processes, especially where, you know, this is how my department operates. This is how maybe a couple departments operate together. Um, we can all of a sudden automate that reimbursement form or automate the PTO system in the way that we do it, because we do it just a little bit different than everybody else. And that core cool. system will require custom work to get that job done. Whereas if, if software can enable that, all of a sudden we're in, in much better shape. Yeah, yeah. To our listeners, I know we've spent a bit of time here digging into the details on Formstack and and what it does for companies, but I th- I think it was time well spent because it sets us up well for the remainder of our conversation. So I want to pivot a little bit. And as I mentioned earlier, the Formstack story is much larger than a tech company from Indiana. In a world where most of us were thrust into remote work, work from home reality, we've lived this in two phases at least. Phase one was in March and April where we had to get everybody online from home quickly. Phase two was to go back and revisit your security. And I know we've talked about that on this program before about the things that you had to 
put in place now that your perimeter of your network really was people's home network. The next phase is what I really want to talk to Chris about now, and that's reimagining work. Formstack has been distributed work from home for years. Chris, first talk to us, talk us through how that came to be. Then I'd like to dig into some of the lessons you have learned and what they might mean to our audience today. Yeah, you know, we have been working remotely, and what we call it is remote first. So we still have a handful of offices around the country, but they are more like dedicated co-working spaces. So go all the way back to 2013 when we said we're going to kind of refer to ourselves and start acting like we are a remote first company, which meant, meant we need to learn how to hire remotely. We need to learn how to onboard people remotely, you know, engage them, grow them allow them to do their jobs. And so for us, that's been a, a, a great journey of really getting to see some pretty cool stuff happen. So when coronavirus isn't going on, uh, people get to travel around the world and keep working, or they get to say, you know what, I, I started my job in Indiana, say where our headquarters is, but I want to go be with family, but I don't want to leave my job. It kind of has enabled some, some wonderful things like that. And, and by the way, that builds some really great kind of belief in your company from your team because they just know they're supported in that way. But for us, it was a, a pretty selfish problem even in my own life. My wife had an opportunity to move back to Oklahoma where I'm from and we've lived in our married life. And so I said, you know what? I, I think we can make this happen. And over a couple of years, we hired a few people completely remotely and then we let people move. And so it's been a great journey that uh, now we've got 200 and 30 people who live, uh, especially across North America, but across the world. How have you been able to, I mean, if you've been doing this for eight years or more. I think you said that you were doing that remote work first. Yep. How have you been able to implement that? Because the technology really is just now kind of catching up to that. So I imagine you had some challenges early on getting it to work well. Yeah, you know, there, there were definitely some early pains. Video technology wasn't nearly as powerful as it is today. Obviously, all of us know Zoom and, and you know, tools like it that are, are very easy to use and uh, work really well. But those, those didn't work nearly as well in the beginning. And, and in fact, often you would struggle to start meetings at times because <laughs> just enough of those moments weren't, you know, somebody's computer wasn't working properly, the, mm -hmm. uh, the video wasn't showing up or whatever. And so uh, we learned our way through a lot of that, but I'd say that, you know, the core systems we've learned to use over time is video. We want to create the most in-person experience that you can have in a non in-person world, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Slack or some sort of chat technology, uh, some sort of kind of knowledge base. So we use Atlassian's Confluence as a oh, place yeah. where you can kind of store, um, you know, your systems and processes for your particular department or how do I find benefits in the company? And then, of course, e email is always in there. But with those things, we get a lot, uh, you know, a lot of really good things happening. The other thing we've done, and especially when you can travel, is we still physically get people together a couple times a year. And so I think that'll be a challenge for people to figure out, how do I still find ways to create those in-person connections? Mm -hmm. Maybe not as aggressively as I would have in the past, but... Uh, as we all know, we, we 
we thrive on human relationship. And so it's important that we find ways to make that happen for our team. Otherwise, I think you'll have a, a burnout that kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of the people I talk to relate the experience of, gosh, they just started in a new position. And because of the still we're in this remote work world, they haven't even met their team. We interviewed a CIO uh, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he'd been on the job for almost a month and hadn't met his team face to face yet. So that's a an issue or a challenge that Formstack has been dealing with. So how do you, you mentioned hiring, onboarding, engaging, and growing your employees. How do you onboard somebody when they're remote? What are, what are some of the lessons learned and the processes that that you have put in place that perhaps our listeners might be able to use in their own environments? Well, you know, I assume every one of us has walked into a job where the first day looked a little bit like, there's your desk, there's your computer, <laughs> see you later. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in an office environment, that works okay. It's not probably still the best, but, but it works because you're like, oh, I see that person there. I can ask them questions or, or whatever. In a remote world, if you do that to somebody, uh, they're just behind a blank wall and, and have no idea what's happening in the organization. And so we do a couple things to try to drive some good interaction with people. The first is um, we kind of, uh, we, we basically spam them with email the first day. So we do a public <laughs> welcome to everybody in the company. Mm-hmm. And we've got a great engaged group who um, you've just got reply alls going all day with welcomes and I'm excited to meet you, excited to learn about you. And we usually interview them, find out where they're from and interests and things like that. And then um, the other thing we do is we have a, a really detailed and extensive written onboarding process. So realistically, your first handful of weeks, you're going to be pretty busy uh, learning what our systems are and where to go. And uh, we even inject some some kind of funny things in there, like go talk to this person and basically ask them about this inside joke so that you're kind of just forced to yeah. see a little bit of our humor, meet some people. And then we'll tend to uh, kind of put a form stack friend will attach that to a new person that isn't on uh, kind of their team. So we just hired a CFO, kind of had the same experience. We're trying to onboard him in a remote world, but we we kind of gave him this form stack friend that's in um, kind of in the engineering team. He's been in form stack for a long time, so knows a lot of history. But somebody he wouldn't normally interact with in, in kind of normal day to day but really just kind of creates as much broad experience for somebody new to get to know the the company. And we've found that to be fairly successful. And we've got lots and lots of people who, uh, until we, again, in normal times, meet that, say, once a year, maybe twice a year, often people will be here 11 months before they get to physically meet somebody. And sometimes they can't travel and, and they have never met anybody in person, but, you know, we're able to give them a great cultural experience. So you use the word that leads me into my next question is, how would you describe Formstack's culture? You know, we we think about, uh, we, we do document cultural values. And so a couple of those that are important to us, for instance, are, you know, get to work on solving problems. And so for us, we tend not to be a very good hand-holding 
organization. If, if you have a, you know, a job title, we kind of say, hey, go do that job. And if you need our help, absolutely, we'll help. But mm-hmm. don't wait for us to give you too much direction because it might not work out so well eventually. You, we, need, <laughs> we need people who can kind of jump in and solve problems. You know, the other thing we think about and talk about a lot is defaulting to transparency. And so you can't do it 100% of the time, but as much as possible, we try to be very open with what's going through our heads, what do financials look like, how do we think about giving people raises and promotions, and what, how do we think about if we ever do have to let somebody go, what What are the reasons behind that? And so that transparency really builds a great deal of trust in the organization because they know they're generally going to get the truth on what's happening and, and why it's happening. And so many of us have been in places where we don't know. It, it's not shared with us. And you just don't have as much trust, which makes it just that much harder to get the job done. Yeah. Well, I asked the question because we've kind of been having a debate of sorts uh, here on the program Status Go of is culture a place? So we had all these companies that were that had great company cultures, but they were all in the same office or same location. And then the pandemic hit and they had to go work from home. And so there was a lot of talk in some of the leadership CEOs that I talked to and CIOs that I talked to about, gosh, can't wait till we get back to the office because our culture really requires us to be together. Uh, And so we've had different views on that. You obviously don't see culture as a place. So how have you been able to instill your vision, your company's vision of culture into a new hire or someone that's been with you for a while that has never really been around anybody else in the company? You know, it's a great place to go. I I used to think that I actually bought a ping pong table early on in my career here, and um, it actually was a wonderful thing for our organization. But I used to think culture was about things like that and, Mm -hmm. you know, paying for lunch or whatever, these kind of uh, extra benefits, I suppose. And then one day I discovered that's just not it. Culture is really a, just a description of the way you do things. And mm-hmm. as you can document that for people, it just makes it easier for them to have language to say, oh yeah, I get that. Because everybody can see your culture. Um, they see characteristics of how you act or you know, you tend to make decisions in a particular way. And, and people usually can see it happening, but they often don't have words for it. And so for me, I think it's, it's first of all, describing those words, writing it down. What, what are the cultural values that are important to you? Because for instance, for us, you might think remote work is a cultural, say, value. It's really not. What I've always told people is remote work for us is about our cultural value of be agile and iterate. So for that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in our case, it's Whenever you're trying to solve a problem, just sol- start to solve it like quickly. And the moment you solve it a little bit, you'll be like, oh, I like that solution or I hate it. And then you'll pivot and go to the next kind of step in that process. And over time, by iterating, you kind of get to your full solution. Well, for us, we just had a problem of it was both me personally. I couldn't physically be in the office. And then we needed to hire people who weren't in the area. And so remote was the answer. We may wake up one day and say, you know what? We're suffering because we're a remote company. We've got to solve that by getting yeah. more office-based uh, people. And so I think really trying to document what are those important values to the company will then allow them to step back and say, 
oh, does remote matter to us or does it not? Because I oh, think yeah, oftentimes yeah. it probably doesn't. It's just that we haven't forced ourselves to spend time telling people what our culture and those values are. When do you introduce the culture to someone that's going through the hiring process? I mean, is it early on? Is it is it after you've kind of settled in your mind that that person is going to have the skills that you need? Just curious where that where that happens. So we start that process kind of during um, during the interview process. We we have a series of questions that we ask to really understand: Do people will they? Uh, it's kind of abide by these cultural values, but basically, does it kind of affirm who they are, or does it conflict with them? Because sometimes transparency, for instance, some people aren't as transparent, and that can be yeah. troublesome over time. Where if you're going to tend to always put on the best show and the best face and not really be able to be more vulnerable, that's going to be a challenge in our organization. And so, you know, we start during the interview process. We then layer it back in during onboarding. We, you know, have people read through those cultural values. We will talk about them on a, on a monthly basis. When we do annual reviews, your raise and bonus is basically based on uh, how well you kind of align to those cultural values. And, and then we're going to give you feedback when you don't align super well with them. And so we try to layer it into uh, all places in the organization. Well, and I think that speaks well to how you have that culture throughout a remote organization is because it is in everything that you do. One of the things that I know you and I've talked about, but it actually came up, I was on a call earlier today with a group of 10 or 12 CIOs, and they were talking about, you know, here we are in, uh, at the time that you and I are speaking, it's early in Q3. We've got Q4 yet in front of us, and they were talking about different initiatives that they were now beginning to start. Everything had kind of been put on hold uh, over the last several months, but now they had work that they were going to start. And I know one of the things that you talked about was one of the challenges that you've overcome with the remote work first approach is starting new initiatives. So talk to us a little bit about your process for kicking off something new when you're in this remote environment. Yeah, you know what we we kind of had this challenge where we we've a couple times wanted to start brand new departments, and as you know, when you're starting something new, that that very fast feedback is is super important because somebody's getting on the phone with a customer and having a conversation, and their ability to kind of give you feedback and tell you how that conversation went, and then you iterating on that super <laughs> rapidly it, it is important, and so. At times, we've had to say, you know what, this this particular department or this particular project needs to start in person somewhere. So we started an, uh, kind of a sales program that was a, a new unit, and we ended up focusing everybody around a particular office for a while. Now, it's been going for a few years, so it can easily be remote at this point. Mm -hmm. But uh, the physical office has been one answer to that. The other one is what I would call really a, it, it, think about it this way, is is how do I create that environment of quick iteration? Well, I can actually pop on video and keep video on pretty much all day. Now, as you and I know, being on video all day is very taxing, but you can yes. do it in a different way when you're working on a project. And that's 
you know, you and I agree. We're going to turn our video on all day. We're going to mute it until we need one of, you know, need each other. Oh yeah. And yeah. so the video's there, you're there with me. We, we can talk the moment we do need to talk, but until then, yep, you can see me, I can see you, but really I'm just going about my work. And that's been actually a wonderful way to uh, kind of find some uh, quick starts to projects. It, it's a lot like pair programming in, in the engineering world uh -huh. where you're, yeah, you're just kind of yeah. getting on and being together. And uh, But it's also not nearly as taxing as that full day of video. Yeah, because you're not uh, focused on the video exactly. the whole time. That's an interesting concept. I've not heard of, of someone doing that. Do you do the same thing for uh, getting the teams together call it socially, even though they're, they're distributed. Do you do video during those types of events to help people feel a part of the broader team? Yeah. So, you know, we just did, normally we would get together again, probably twice a year. And, and so we'd get together as a whole company one time during the year, and then teams would get together kind of on the other side of the year. Well, because that wasn't going to happen, we decided to put together an event a couple of weeks ago where you know, if you were a speaker, you were going to have a, a you know, we we're going to set you up with a green screen and kind of create a nice experience so that people have, um, you know, just not somebody's room to look at one more one uh, time. One time, yeah. Uh, the the one choice we made that we felt like was really helpful was to say we're going to do this webinar style. So if you're a speaker, you're going to be on. You're going to be, you know, have prepared. But uh, since this is going to be three hours. Uh, for two days in a row, so six hours total, we know that's super taxing on video to stare at, you know, at the camera for a while. But we also all know that we'll sit around and watch Netflix for hours at a time. So, right, right. Uh, so if we go for the webinar experience, we kind of said, hey, throw your feet up. We don't care what you're dressed in. Um, and we're going to try to kind of deliver this experience to you. And you can chat if you want to, that's fine. But it was all about how can we kind of keep creating experiences for people so they can get the right information, but uh, not just drop one more, one more video meeting kind of on their calendar. Yeah. I just think your experience over the last eight to 10 years is just incredibly valuable for organizations today that haven't been able to figure out some of these things out. They haven't experienced them. Uh, and, uh, kind of almost got drug kicking and screaming into this type of environment. So I think these lessons are vitally important. I'd love to wrap with a call to action. As we talked about, we really like status go to be about action. It's even in the name, right? It's breaking out of the status quo. Uh, so status go. What are one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they'd listen to you and I today? You know, one mindset that I've been trying to use lately, and, and I think this is especially pertinent to those people who are saying, oh, I can't wait to get back in the office. Well, since you don't know when that's going to happen, and none of us do, and, and none of us know when the world's going to return to some sort of normalcy, what I'd encourage you to do is actually think the opposite. So I would encourage you to say, you know what, what if this were going to be life forever? What would I do then? Because yeah. that's the moment you start to solve the problems a little bit differently. You're not thinking about, oh, the grass is greener. I want to get back into the office. You're thinking about, oh, I, I need to create a great company that can be successful in a remote world. And I think that's a great step to really solve your problems in a better way. And then you know what? If the office pops up later and everybody can return and you want to do that, that's great. If not, 
all of a sudden you've opened the door to it. You can hire anywhere you want. You can give people freedom that they have not had. And so can create some, some pretty interesting wins in that way. And so I've encouraged a lot of people, even in your personal life, you know, stop thinking about when is school going to get back to normal for my kids? Start right. thinking about, well, what would I do if this were going to last forever? Now, that can be a pessimistic <laughs> thought. I'm not, I'm not trying to go that direction. It just, sometimes you need to kind of remove options to get yeah. to really smart solutions. Well, it gets back to reimagining work, reimagining life. And so some of these lessons apply, as you were st- saying, in your home life as well. So rather than being wistful about the way things were, let's figure out how to make them work going forward. I think that is great advice, Chris. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a great conversation and, and uh, I appreciate it a lot. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I've enjoyed the conversation. I think as we move into 2021, would love to perhaps have you back on the program as people are really starting to figure out some of these things that they're having to deal with. And uh, maybe we dig a little deeper into some of your lessons learned. Well, that would be great. And uh, look forward to seeing how everybody kind of approaches the, the next year or two. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Chris Byers. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.